Serve a faithful God. Matthew 4, I want you to notice again. The repetition of this word follow, or followed, beginning in verse 19. And he, Jesus, saith unto them, follow me. Follow me, and then verse 20. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Verse 22, and they immediately left the ship and their father. That's something. And did what? And followed him. Now, of course, what's striking to me about verse 19 of the text is that inasmuch as those two words, follow me, are the first two recorded words Simon Peter would hear the Lord Jesus speak. They are also among the last two recorded words that he heard his Lord speak. In fact, when Jesus spoke those two words in the first chapter of John's gospel, saying to Peter, follow me, and then follow thou me, it's the exact same two words that our Lord spake in the first chapter and the last chapter of John's gospel. John 1.43 says, Jesus findeth Philip and saith unto him, follow me, in the last and in the very beginning. Think about that for a moment. Three and a half years have passed. That's three and a half years of healing and delivering from demons and teaching and miracles, persecution, that wilderness temptation. Three and a half years of dramatic and supernatural events, calming the storm, walking on water, feeding the multitudes more than once, raising Lazarus, the Mount of Transfiguration, cleansing the temple, the betrayal, the trial, the scourging, the cross, the resurrection. This is the gospel story. And yet all of it begins. And all of it ends with the same two words. He saith unto them, follow me. Now, I want to ask you a question. How is it possible that 12 obscure men substituting Judas, how is it ever conceivable that these Galileans from a little slave nation in the Roman Empire, these unlearned men in the world's eyes, were ever able to literally change the course of human history? How is it possible that they could ever take the gospel to the entire known world, pen at least eight of the greatest books in all of world literature, and then live and die as the most selfless, noble, courageous men the world has ever known. How could these men, beginning, by the way, in the middle years of their lives, go on in life to demonstrate such glory and power and grace as they did? I can tell you this. The answer to the question is found precisely in those two words, both at the beginning and the ending of Christ's ministry when he said to his disciples, follow me. Follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you. I will make you fishers of men. And from that moment, these men, the moment they took their first step of obedient following, they left their nets, they left their father, they left that ship, they were destined for glory. And so it is this morning to every single believer under the sound of my voice that when the Lord Jesus speaks to you, follow me, and I assure you, he is speaking to you, follow me. As you heed his voice, your direction and your devotion and your destiny will never again be the same as you heed his voice. It's the simplest command our Lord ever gave in the Bible, but it's also the greatest. Let's pray. Father, please help us, please, 
to understand what these words to the disciples mean to us today as disciples. And in understanding it, Father, we too will be destined for the glory of fulfilling the will of God in our lives. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, you may have noticed these days that everybody, it seems, wants to be a leader. There are books and seminars and leadership uh, activities that abound in our society. And they're always and almost entirely built upon this idea of becoming a great leader. Some time ago, I looked up all of the current top-selling books on following. And you know what I found? I found one title. It's called, Turn the Ship Around, How to Turn Followers into Leaders. In other words, thousands and thousands of books, of course, on leadership. They're everywhere you look. The only one I could find on following was how to stop doing it. Because apparently everybody needs to be a leader. I remember our professor told me about a young man, us about a young man, and he was filling out his college application. And when he came to a certain question, it gave him pause. It said, very simply, as almost all of them do, are you a leader? He thought about it. He fretted over it. And finally, he put down the honest answer, and he put down no. Later, during his personal interview for admission, the dean looked at the questionnaire, and he said, so, he said, you're not a leader. And the boy said, is that going to hurt my prospects? And the dean took off his glasses, and he looked up. And he says, son, I've been going through these questionnaires, these college applications for 25 years. And right now, on this campus, we have 32,143 leaders in this student body. It seems to me they could all use at least one follower. <laughs> and you know, it's true to call in our society today to call someone a follower. If you say, well, she's a follower, that's immediately a pejorative. It carries a negative connotation. And yeah, in some instances, that's justifiably so. However, when it comes, hear this, when it comes to the kingdom of God, and when it comes to the spiritual world, and finding favor and grace from God, it's not leadership that God demands. It is not power or, or power or prestige or position. It is instead doing exactly what these disciples did in obedient response to the command of our Lord when he said to Peter, follow me. Follow me. And with that simple command, Christ began a work in Peter's heart that did not end until that man was found in glory. You see, folks, there are a lot of commands in the Bible given by God that, you know, we cannot guarantee are for everyone in this room. Genesis 12.1 Get thee out of thy country and go to another land. That's not for everyone here, right? Genesis 1.28 Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. That's not for everyone here. Brother Alex and I visited an 87-year-old, 97-year-old lady yesterday. I didn't pull out my Bible and say, ma'am, this is for you. Be fruitful and multiply. Leviticus 21.5 says, Thou shalt not make baldness upon thy head. I couldn't obey that command if I wanted to. <laughs> and I want to. <laughs> now, there are a lot of commands all through the Bible that are not for everyone in this room. They don't apply to everybody. 
However, I can tell you that when it comes to these two words, they're for all of us. And they are also for all time. Three things I want us to consider this morning very carefully from the scriptures telling us what does it mean? What does it tell us when Jesus says to his sheep, follow me? Every call to discipleship is a call to following Christ. The first thing you'll notice, number one, is the meaning of it. You see the word in verse 19, you'll notice, is the word follow. Now, besides the fact that this word is a transitive verb, that means it means to come after. And you know what, folks, besides the obvious synonyms to follow being to go after and to give chase and to accompany and to pursue, I think it's significant that the Greek word in your text, akalatheo, is where we get the word acolyte. Acolyte, of course, is mainly a religious term. And it's, it's referring to a person who's an attendant, an acolyte is the person who follows a leader and pays very close attention. In other words, if a leader's walking up a mountain in order to teach a lesson, an acolyte, a follower is in attendance all the way up and during that lesson. If the leader is in the valley ministering to some very needy people, then this word, this follower, they are attendants. And the reason is that they're attending to what the leader is saying and doing. Therefore, they are hearing and they are assisting the leader. Verse 19, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, folks, think about this. If someone says to you, follow me, they just walk up to you, you're doing your job, mind your own business, follow me. And assuming you're just willing to drop what you're doing and follow that person, what would it mean? What would it mean for your life? Think about that for a moment. Well, it means you have a leader, maybe a brand new leader. It means you have a direction, whatever that is. It means you have a purpose. You have an example in front of you, a companion and a destiny. To follow means to go not from behind, but to to be behind and not in front. So the folks, look, to follow someone basically means to put your life into their hands. You are putting aside, as it were, your fishing nets, your publican's table, your business interests, your earthly ties. And you are henceforth walking now in the steps of another person. Now again, In our society, that's a radical idea and a radical notion. Only cult leaders do that, right? We don't have the idea in America that a human being is supposed to give up his rights, ever. Or his ambitions, or his freedoms to anyone. And I'm on board with that. However, hear this. At the beginning and the ending, Jesus essentially had one command. And it's simple. And it's still simple. And it's follow. The reason we are even here today... And the reason why there are hundreds and thousands of assemblies of people. Did you know that in America, there are more just Baptist churches in America than McDonald's, Starbucks, and Subway combined? More Baptist churches. Why? I'm telling you, the only reason we're here today is that these disciples heard those words and they obeyed them. They did follow. They left their own ambitions and, in some cases, left their own positions of leadership and became followers. 
The question is this, who would you do that for? I should say, who are you doing that for? Because I promise you, you're following somebody. Who would you leave your ambitions and passions for to follow that one person? If, if President Biden came to you and he said, he said, not a joke, folks, not a joke, follow me. Corn pop, follow me, or whatever, I don't know. Or the Pope came to you. Or Kanye. Or Elon Musk. Follow me to Mars. If they came to you, some billionaire or some wealthy person, or if they said, follow me, would you do it? I can tell you right now, I wouldn't. And neither would you. Neither would you for good reason. And let me just add, this is not the kind of following that's typical of everyday life. A teacher, a traveler follows a tour guide, a child follows her teacher. Of course that's good. I was helping in the church kitchen a while back, and the people in charge of the meal were giving me orders. You know what I did? I followed. Free meal. Amen. I'm not dumb. And I followed gladly, and I followed willingly. If a policeman were to pull me over, not that that's ever, ever happened, but if it were ever to happen... If I were a soldier and had a commanding officer, of course I'd follow orders. An employee follows his boss in that office. And a player follows his coach on that field. But wait a minute, you do understand that what our Lord means by following this text is an entirely different issue than a band member following his director or a firefighter following his captain. No, 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 what the word follow means in this context is comprehensive and it is complete. It means, as the Bible says, with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength and you follow all the days of your life. You know, I got to say, when I saw all of the list of athletes, celebrities and politicians who followed the advice of this Sam Freed fellow, FTX stands for Futures Exchange, right? And this FTX was going to provide safety for all of the wealth. And sure enough, this guy, living with 10 roommates, sitting around in a penthouse, he was addicted to League of Legends, played it nonstop. This man, this kid, literally, born on the campus of Stanford University. He attracted massive wealth and fellowship. Tom Brady, Shaq, the Kardashians, Steph Curry, Bill Clinton, the entire DNC. And essentially, they un unleashed all of this wealth on this kid in a t-shirt and cargo shorts. In October, his personal wealth was $16 billion. Today, people who work at drive-in, drive-through Chick-fil-A have more money than he does. They followed him. It reminded me, again, that everybody follows somebody. You're enamored with someone. You're in line with somebody else's ideas or thoughts or their direction. The only question is, the only question is who? Number one, there's the meaning of the text. It leads us to the second thing, the man in the text. Here's the who, verse 18, and Jesus. He's the one walking by the Sea of Galilee. 
Verse 19, he's the one who saith unto them, follow me. Verse 22, and they immediately left the ship and their father, and they followed who? Him, Jesus Christ. Listen to me. When Jim Jones and David Koresh and Ron Hubbard all said to great crowds of people, follow me, these were all deceitful men promoting idolatry. When Joseph Stalin told his officers and his cabinet members, follow me, in 1924, he was promoting tyranny and death. When Satan told Jesus in the wilderness just before this moment and told him to kneel down and follow him, he was promoting blasphemy. I don't care who it is, Fidel Castro, Hugo Chavez, Chairman Mao, Hideki Tojo, Idi Amin, doesn't matter the man's name, Pol Pot, put him in there. There's not a single human being on earth. There's not a being celestial or a being terrestrial who is worthy of your attendance at every turn. Nobody can say to the sons of Adam, follow me with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your spirit without leading those followers to death and destruction. Oh, pastor, I'm 17 years old, and I found this amazing guy with a motorcycle. I'm going to follow him to the ends of the earth. Really? Is he following Christ? Because if he's not, good luck with that, with that motorcycle. It's like the old man who died, and after the funeral, the widow's attorney came and said to her, Ma'am, your husband was mean and abusive to you for all these years. You know, he was cool when he was young. He's the motorcycle guy, and now, with all of his money, he deliberately left you out of a will. He was, he was rough on you. It would help if you could tell me the last things that he said, whatever his last words. I don't want to share that, she said. The attorney said, ma'am, I have confidentiality. I won't tell him. I need to know what his last words were. And she said, no, it's personal between the two of us. And he, he insisted, please, just it could help you with this inheritance. She said, if you must know. His last words were, quote, you don't scare me. You couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with that old gun. <laughs> That's your motorcycle guy. And I'll say it again, beloved, Hitler, Mussolini, King Herod, name the person. Name the woman. Any man or woman who demands this kind of unwavering loyalty and devotion to which millions in our country, we just had an election. Wait till the next one the undivided loyalty that people will give to a political leader? Foolish, blasphemous, vain, insolent, pompous, profane. That's how we look upon someone who demands unwavering loyalty to that one person. It is satanic to ever claim that kind of authority. Follow me. I would never say that. So why is it then that when the Lord Jesus says the same thing, Leave your father, leave your boat, leave your nets, in this case. When Christ calls men and women to follow him completely and unreservedly, not only is it not blasphemy, not only is it not boastful, it is downright glorious and beautiful. Do you want to know why? Look at the event just before this, chapter 3, the last two verses, verse 16. Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that's capitalized, descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, 
a voice, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Wait a minute, it's not finished. Then was Jesus led up the spirit in the wilderness to be tempted the devil, and the devil did tempt Jesus. And you know what Jesus said to the devil in his temptation? Verse 7, Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. That's the one who says, Follow me. God in the flesh. The Lord our God. You see, beloved, when Jesus says to you and me, Follow me, not just a man talking, It's not even just a good man, a great man, a wise man, a powerful man, a successful man. This man and this command is the God-man. And to follow him with all of your mind and all of your strength and all of your heart and all your soul, that is not blasphemy, that is not futility, that is not vanity, that is not folly. What it actually is, is right and holy, and true, and just, because to follow him is precisely what you and I were created to do. The man in the text, the meaning of the text. Number three, finally, I want you to notice the miracle of the text. Chapter four, verse 19, and he, Jesus, saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Think about it. The Lord said, follow. He said, follow me. But he also said, follow me and I will make you. Being a fisherman is not supernatural. It's awesome, but it's not supernatural. Peter was a fisherman. He was a fisherman with a short temper and a long tongue. There's nothing miraculous about catching fish. But if you were made, if you were made into something else, if you were made a fisher of men in addition to being a fisherman, that's not a position that's listed on monster.com. That's a miracle. We noted earlier that there's no human explanation, no earthly reason why a dozen obscure ordinary men could be transformed into transformational saints. There's nothing remarkable, nothing in their background, think about that, nothing at all in their bank account or their bloodline or their brain power, nothing about that in these men could explain the glory, the supernatural nature of their very lives, their brief lives. Except for two words, the command. They heard and they obeyed it. It came from the heart of our Lord Jesus who said, follow me and I'll make you something. I will make you. And they followed him to a wedding. And they followed him to a well. And they followed him through a windstorm. And beloved, the more they followed, the more they learned. And the more they learned, the more they grew and changed from glory to glory. They followed him up a mountain, and they saw his glory. They followed him down into a garden, and they saw his burden and his tears. They followed him into the temple, and they saw his holiness. They followed him into a house, and they saw his love. 
Brother Roloff used to sing, Sometimes on the mount, when the sun shines so bright, God leads His dear children along. Sometimes in the valley, in the darkest of night, God leads His dear children along. Some through the waters, some through the flood. Some through the fire, but all through the blood. Some through great sorrow, but God gives the song in the night season and all the day long. You see, folks, whenever Christ says, follow me, understand, He wasn't admonishing them to follow Him to nowhere. He wasn't telling them or admonishing them to just follow Him somewhere. Following Jesus Christ means that you follow Him to glory. Some through the fire, some through the flood, some through great sorrow, yes, but all through the blood. Follow Him and He will make you. Stop following Him and He won't make you. All these multitudes of people who followed Stalin, do you realize He made them? They followed Him and He made them murderers and accessories to genocide. They followed Him to hell itself. When people followed Muhammad, He makes them into something, no question about it. Followers of L. Ron Hubbard, they're made into something. As were the followers of Marx and Lenin, Khomeini. When people follow, think about this, when people follow the Pharisees of Jesus' day, our Lord Jesus said that, quote, He made them threefold more the child of hell than they were themselves. They made them into that. Make no mistake, young people in this room, make no mistake, who you follow determines who and what you're made into and what you will become. Everybody, as we said, is following somebody. Jesus said to this impetuous fisherman, follow me. And Christ made him into a saint who followed Jesus into glory. I remember when I was 13 years of age, I was a brand new believer. Been saved just a few months. Our youth group was invited to go to a, a preaching conference. It was a rally, if you will, where Dr. Hyman Appleman was scheduled to speak. Hyman Appleman. I'd never heard of him. We packed in this little tiny church, all these teenagers, and for an over an hour he gave his testimony. And I was in awe as a new believer sitting there, listening to this little man talk about being born in Russia in 1902, to Orthodox Jewish parents, raised as a strict, strict Hebrew Jew. When his father came to America, it enabled Hyman to go to Northwestern and then DePaul University and graduate top of his class with a law degree. He worked in his father's business until he one day had a nervous breakdown. Just nothing inside, all outside, hollow, and he tried to find solace everywhere, his local synagogue, his rabbis. Nothing seemed to work, and finally his dad said, just go on a trip, go out west, and he did. He was going on a long vacation out west from Chicago, and he spent one night, he stopped and can't spent one night in a YMCA, during that night, he argued with a lady, a lady worker, 
from 4 till 10 p.m. She argued with him about Jesus being the Messiah. The next morning, a gentleman knocked on the door, and the lady had sent him and gave him a Gideon Bible and just said, just read it. Well, he was an intellect. He was actually a true intellect. So he says, all right, I'll read it. He read it. Some months later, still depressed, unable to sleep, he asked to see a doctor. And the person, the secretary he asked, I need to see a doctor, sent him to a Dr. Davis. Not a medical doctor, not a psychologist, but a, but a pastor. He didn't know it. He went and this preacher preached to him and preached to him. Eventually, Dr. Hyman Appleman cried out, I don't need a doctor. I need the great physician. And he and the pastor fell their knees. He accepted Christ and disowned by his family. If you would read what his father wrote to him, it's heartbreaking. He went on from them to become one of the greatest evangelists of the last generation. Amazing, bold testimony for Christ. And it was an amazing story. And I sat there as a teenager, brand new Christian, didn't know much of anything really thinking about how God transformed this man. And that night in 1971, as a new believer, he said, I want us to all sing a song. And he introduced a song to me that I had never heard before that night. This aged man at that time, tears coming down his face. He sang, Sweetly, Lord, have we heard thee calling. Come, follow me. And we see where thy footprints falling lead us to thee. He said, young people, this is, my, this is my favorite stanza. Then at last, when on high he sees us, our journey done. We will rest where the steps of Jesus end at his throne. Beloved, following the Lord of glory doesn't end in a burned out compound in, in Waco, Texas. It does not end in an arsenic-laced mass suicide in Guyana. It doesn't end in a car bomb as an act of terrorism. It doesn't end in an underground bunker, utter destruction. It does not end in fear or darkness or despair or regret or waste or judgment. To follow Christ all the days of your life is to follow the just one. And the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Following a man will make your life a mess. Following Jesus will make your life a miracle. Footprints of Jesus that make the pathway glow. We will follow the steps of Jesus where'er they go. There are a lot of voices out there crying for your attention. A lot. These people want your loyalty. This group wants you to listen to them. These people want you to follow their example. These people want you to leave, put down that cross. Jesus told you to take it up and follow him. They want you to put it down. But there's only one voice that's worthy, only one, that's worthy of your following. And you know what he says to you this morning? Follow me and I'll make you. Follow me today. It's at the beginning and the end of the Gospels. The beginning and the end of the Gospel story. Follow me now and follow me to the very end, and I will make you. 
And God's people said, Amen. our heads are bowed, please, and our eyes are closed. Do you know what I want to talk to this morning? I want to talk to people that are not just believers in Jesus. I want to talk to people who are followers of Jesus. I saw a recent poll survey, very intensive, that shocked me. It shouldn't, but it did. The question was to evangelical Christians in the United States of America, millions and millions of them, how many of you believe that the deity of Christ, the fact that Jesus is God, is important to your faith? The answer, 39%. 70% of so-called professing believers in America don't believe that Jesus being God is important. I'll tell you how important it is. The Bible says, let them be anathema. You're already cursed if you don't believe that Jesus is God. Only God can say, follow me. And mean all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. It's a wonderful thing, frankly, that God's not asking every single person in this room to just drop your business. Jesus is not here physically walking the earth, but he is telling you to make him your business. So that whatever your business is, whatever your profession, and whatever your possessions, all of it is encapsulated in the words of follow me. You're doing it for and through and in Jesus Christ. And as I always say at home, right where you are, kneel where you are, put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you get up off of your knees, as every believer in this room should do, should have done, take a step. It's not yours. Take a step that's not some other man's. Take a step that's following the footprints of Christ. Father, bless now the invitation. Lord, we thank you so much for convicting us in your word, for your counsel. We thank you, Lord, that with these men, these unlearned Galileans whose speech gave them away, changed history, changed the world, for history and eternity. And thank you, it's because they follow Jesus. And may we do the same. May this church be full of Christ followers. And because of that, Lord, there's fruit that remains. Lord, for these who have asked for prayer, draw them to you. May all of us cast our eyes upon Christ and keep our eyes looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith as we run our race. We'll give you the praise for that in Jesus' name. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. May the Lord bless you.